Can y'all hear me? Oh, there we are. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Wow, this is a awesome full house this morning. I love it. I love seeing all of your beautiful faces this morning. So welcome. Um, we are in the Hope series. I think this is the last message in this series, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Has anyone felt like you got your hope up over this series? Me too. It's been awesome. It's been amazing. I am going to get right into it. The title of my message this morning is Morning Glories. Morning Glories. I planted some morning glories in my yard years ago when Micah and Michaela were little toddlers. And, and we would go outside and they would play in the front yard. And I just have really fond memories when I think of um, these morning glories. They were big, blue, beautiful trumpet-shaped flowers with heart-shaped leaves on a vine. And Micah and Michaela and their little toddler bodies would walk over to the flowers and lean over and smell them. And so every time I see morning glories now, I'm just reminded of that beautiful memory, you know, with my children. And so sometimes I tease, you know, them and I call them my morning glory babies. But um, another cool thing happened when my grandbaby was born. I um, had gone to Australia a year and a half ago, and I got to see her. And I was taking her out in the backyard of Micah and Rachel's house. And um, I was holding her. She was about a week old. And I look up, and there on the, atop the fence were this beautiful big patch of blue. They are called heavenly blue morning glories. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And all the way across the world in Australia, there were the morning glories again. And um, so they're, they're just something that I just feel very fondly about. And, you know, I started thinking about morning glories in writing this message and how um, they bloom every morning. But what's interesting is they don't just bloom every morning. They have new blooms every morning. And it kind of reminded me of his mercies, right? His mercies are new every morning. And so when I, when I see them blooming, that's what I think of. I think about his mercies that are new every morning. And then in the evening, they close back up. And then in the morning, they bloom again. And, and what's also interesting about morning glories is that they thrive the best whenever their conditions are not so great. That's when they bloom the most. Isn't that strange? It's so strange because usually with flowers, you have to give them lots of nutrients, lots of fertilizer, lots of rain, you know, lots of, lots of care, and, and then they bloom more. But with morning glories, like you can, you can disturb them, you can um, trample on them, and they're just going to pop back up, pop back up and bloom again. And in drought and poor soil conditions, they bloom even greater. And I thought, wow, if we could be like morning glories, right? Whenever life tramples on us, whenever our um, circumstances are disrupted or disturbed, as believers, we should, we should bloom brighter. We should bloom more because we know that his mercies are new every morning, right? And so I've been reading a book called A Grace Disguised, How the Soul Grows Through Loss. It's by Jerry Sitzer. I have to tell you, I highly recommend this book, whether you are experiencing, well, I'm, I'm just going to say we're all experiencing loss right now in some, in some way, fashion, or form. That's right. We are all, mom, it is so good to see you. So good to see you. 
she has been home fighting COVID, and I am just so grateful that she is here today. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. I have missed you. Oh, goodness. This book is amazing. I think that everyone should be required to read it because it will be just so helpful in your life because at some point or another, we're all going to experience loss of some kind. Every single one of us, whether it's a loss of job, whether it's a loss of a family member, whether it's loss of a dream, like you name it, we all have some kind of loss in our lives. But I'm not here to tell you what healing looks like this morning because to be honest, I'm still walking this out. I'm still going through the process of healing and What I am here to tell you is that he is faithful. He is so faithful. No matter what you're dealing with, no matter what you're facing, no matter what is to come, he is faithful. And I'm committed to walking through this process because I know he's faithful. You know, um, thinking about loss, I said we all experience mourning. I titled my message, Morning Glories. And I'm spelling morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, morning glories. Because like I said, we can bloom right in the middle of our pain, right in the middle of loss, right? Right in the middle of trouble. Um, Something that I've thought about is that um, it does no good to compare loss. You ever thought about that? Like there's always going to be somebody's loss that's greater than yours. And there's always going to be somebody's loss that's less than yours. And the tendency to compare is there, right? Because if you're experiencing loss and you see someone with greater loss than you, you're like, I really don't have a right to be upset or to grieve or to deal with this because they have it so much worse than I do. And then what happens is we don't deal with it. We don't face it. And then on the other hand, if we see that someone else's loss is a lot less than ours, we can take the victim mentality and just hold on to it so tightly and say, nobody else has had it as bad as me. Nobody else has experienced what I've experienced. They don't know what I've gone through. And then once again, we're stuck. We're stuck because nobody else understands and they don't know what I've walked through. And so let's just decide that loss is loss. And it does no good to compare. So today my text is going to be Joel 2.25. But before we get into that, I want to go ahead and open up with prayer. So Father, we just invite you, Holy Spirit. God, you have been here already. I feel like we've already had church. Thank you for your sweet, sweet presence in this place. Lord, we are so grateful. We are so grateful that we serve a faithful God, a faithful God whose promises are true, whose promises are kept. And God, we just ask that you be with us through this service. Lord, I just ask that my words would be your words, God, that through um, this time together, as I share, Lord, that you would just encourage hope in the room. Father, that you would just even take us to a higher level than we've been before. 
Lord, we thank you that your word cuts deep, that it just sharpens us, Father, that it um, goes right down to the bone and marrow, Father, that we are not going to be the same, God, that we are going to be transformed by the power of your word. So, Father, we just claim that right now in Jesus' name, that we will leave here forever changed in your name. Amen. Amen. So my text this morning is Joel 2:25, and it says this, I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts, the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you. I love this. When I read this, I thought, you know, gosh, there have been seasons in my life where I have felt like the great locust came in and took something from me, right? And then you just get to a place where you're feeling a little better. You're dealing with it. And then all of a sudden, the young locusts come in and they wipe out another part of your harvest. And then get to a good place, you're feeling a little better, and then all of a sudden, the other locusts show up, and you're like, dear God, yeah. right? So I love this, because he's not saying, I'm going to repay you for what this one thing was stolen from you. He's like, I'm going to repay you again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and it never stops. It never stops with the Lord, right? Because his kingdom is ongoing. It's eternal. So the first point this morning that I want to talk to you about is that life happens for you, not to you. Life happens for you, not to you. I actually heard this in a movie that I watched about a month or two ago. And I don't remember titles of movies, so don't ask me. I'm not, I'm not going to remember that. I have no clue. That was not one of the giftings that God gave me. I can watch a movie. I can tell you what it's about, but I have no idea what the name of it is. Same with songs. I know what songs I like, but if you ask me the title, I have no idea. Um, scripture? I know scripture, but if you ask me where it's found, I'm going to say the Bible. It's, that's just the way it is. That's how God made me, and I wish that I could remember those kinds of things. I just don't retain them. But um, I, I, I heard this in the movie, and it stuck with me. So there's certain things that I hear that I'm like, oh, and I grab hold of, and I remember them because they're meaningful to me in some way. And numbers are not, and titles are not, but this was. And I held on to it, and it reminded me of scriptures in the Bible, and that's probably why. Um, it reminded me that God takes everything and turns it around for our good. It reminded me that the Lord, um, his promises is to give us a future and a hope and not to hurt us or harm us. You know, he turns everything around for our good, no matter what it is. And so when I heard this, life happens for you, not to you, I thought, God, you know, I just need to hold on to that. Um, you know, my mom spent a month in the hospital fighting COVID and we were battling hard with her. Like we were praying and believing for her healing you know, only to have her pass away because of COVID. And at that moment, I didn't really feel like life was happening for me. I, I definitely felt like life was happening to me, even against me. Yeah. You know, um, whenever you experience great loss like that. 
especially unexpected, just traumatic, it, it's hard. It's really hard. And I had questions that I wrestled with God over. Questions like, why now? Like, why right now, God? Like, it would have been so much better if we could have had that really important conversation we were about to have first. It would have been so much better if we could have had one more Christmas. Just one more Christmas without misunderstanding. Yeah, why now in this moment? And you know, you, you ask the question sometimes, why me? That's a big one, right? Why me? You know, we, I just dealt with all of these questions and kind of got to, you know, a good place. It had been some time. We were doing pretty well, my family and I, and, and moving forward and just trusting God. And then I went to camp. And y'all know things were kind of crazy before camp. We had house flooded, different things like that. So, you know, you, you put tiredness, exhaustion on top of it. And then you're at camp with all these amazing students, and God is wrecking them and doing all these great things. But I have to tell you, at the same time, my sister Heidi ended up in the hospital with COVID. And all of a sudden, we were going through the same thing all over again that we had just experienced with my mom. All those feelings where she was doing better one second, doing worse the next, couldn't breathe, they were having to give her oxygen. You know, just boom, boom, boom. It was just this trigger of all the pain and all of the raw realness that we had just experienced with my mom all over again. And I'm like, why, God, is this happening right now? Why now? My sister, um, she, she became very fearful when she was in the hospital, and she was afraid she was going to die. I mean, she told me so. And, you know, I sat there battling with her, praying with her, encouraging her, every day just believing that God was going to heal her and battling fear. Fear is such a big thing right now. Such a big thing that the enemy is using. Such a huge tool that he will use if we partner with him. And so when I got the news that she was finally home, I was so relieved. Nope. I was angry. Once she was home and she was doing better, anger set in. And I'm at camp. I'm like, this is not the best time for me to be dealing with this God. You know, I, um, someone told me recently that grief is like a stalker. New grief, it's just always right there. Just right there, just waiting. And it just shows up in the most inopportune times. I wish we could pick when it's going to hit us. You know, today would be a good day for me to deal with it. Nobody else is around. You know, if you want to show up today, that would be great. But that's not how it works, right? And so I spent a couple days at camp just struggling, if I can be honest. And, you know, some people close to me were like, what's wrong? I'm just really exhausted. I'm really tired. It was, it was more than that, but I was dealing with some stuff. And um, I um, was so angry. And I have to tell you, miserable. Like, miserable, too. Because when, you, when you're angry with God and when you're questioning God as a believer your trust is kind of down here. You know, it's not really where it needs to be. And that is just not a good feeling, not a good place to be. And so I, I was struggling 
And I was talking to God. And the big question was, why us? Why me? Why are we dealing with this again? We just dealt with this. And, you know, um, in the book that I'm reading, it talks about that. It talks about the why me question that we all have whenever we experience any kind of loss. You know, any kind of thing that happens, you lose your job. Why me? You know, it, you, you lose um, relationship with someone. Why is this happening? You know, we always ask why. But I love the perspective that I got because the book that I was reading on this argued the point of why not me? Why not me? We always say, why me? But why not me? You know, we tend to look at circumstances and things that happen to us and others from a lens of whether it's deserved or undeserved. Ah, when something bad happens to someone, unfortunately, many of us go, hmm, I wonder what they did. Right? I mean, let's be honest. Isn't that what happens? And when someone has something really, really good going on in their life where they've got so much and they're just blossoming and we think, wow, they've done something really right. But we fail to understand sometimes that they've paid a price. They have paid a price for where they are. We just see the, the harvest of it. We want life to be fair. We all want life to be fair. And if you look at the world around you, the whole loss has little to do with the notion of fairness. You know, there are people who live like the devil. They don't take care of their bodies. They, they drink, they do drugs. I mean, you name it, right? Just wreaking havoc on their life. And yet they're still here. They're still kicking. They're still living. They've lived long lives. And then you see others who they should be blessed beyond measure, but they just keep getting one thing after another, one loss after another, just hit, 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 hit with loss devastation, and it's undeserved. It's undeserved. Bad things don't just happen to those who deserve it, and good things don't just happen to those who deserve it. You know, recognizing that loss happens to all helps you understand grace a little better. I can tell you that through this whole process, you know, I always thought I understood grace, but through this whole process, I understand grace a whole lot better. Like it's become one of my favorite words, God's grace. It's so undeserved, so undeserved. You know, when we live, when we expect to live in a perfectly fair world, the problem is that there is no grace and grace is only grace when it's undeserved. Do you know anybody named Job? I'd like, do you know anybody today? In this time frame named Job, you, you, have you thought about that? Like, I started thinking about Job and just how he lost everything, right? He didn't just lose his crops and his financial status and his home. Like, this guy lost his whole family, his whole entire family, and his health. He wasn't just battling sickness or have, having just lost his home, like, And the Bible said, what about him? Did he deserve it? No, he was the most upright, blameless before God man. And everything was taken from him. Like everything. I don't think I know anybody named Job. I don't, 
I don't, I don't even think we like to talk about Job. I, I don't. Like, I'm like, can we just skip over that part? Because I like believing that if I'm good and I do what I'm supposed to do and I live as righteous as I can, that I'm going to skip all the suffering. But that's just not how life works. So if Job, a very righteous, blameless, and upright man of God, is, is allowed to endure the kind of suffering that he did, why do I think I should be entitled to escape it? So why not me? In some kind of weird way, that brought comfort to me when I, when I started understanding the why not me. It brought comfort in realizing that, you know what? Awful stuff is going to happen. It is going to happen. I will have no control over it. I think that's where the comfort came in for me because I like to control things. Like I said, I like to think, oh, if I'm good and I do what I'm supposed to and everything is, you know, wrapped up in the package perfectly, that life is just always going to be great. It's going to be awesome and wonderful. I, I can somewhat control what my outcomes are going to look like. But the truth is I have no control over it. I can control actually very little except my response to my lack of control. Loss changes you, and you will never be the same. I was speaking with a counselor, someone that I hold in really high regard, and he said that to me. He said, loss changes you, and you will never be the same. And when he said that, I was angry again. I've just been an angry person. I know. I was. <laughs> when, when he said that, he said, I said this, I said I'm in a process. I haven't completely got there yet. Not that I, I ever will, right? You know, our walk with Christ is always a journey. It's a process. But loss changes you. You will never be the same. And when he told me that, I just, ugh, just, like I said, I want to think that I can control it somehow. And and that that's not quite how it's going to work for me. Maybe that's been the case for someone else, but not for me. And, and when he said it, it felt like I was going to lose something. Like I was going to be a little less somehow. You know, that's just the lens that I was looking at it through. That somehow I would be less because of loss. My um, stepdad lived during the Great Depression. And um, we would go over to my mom and stepdad's house and... If you looked in their pantry, oh my gosh, like it was so full of food and their, their closet was so full of paper towels, toilet paper, everything. And all of us kids would just be like, mom, like you can't even see anything. You can't find anything in here because it's so stuffed in here. And it was just ridiculous. And, and we would go over there and she would get frustrated with how much stuff was there. So she would load us up. It was like we went grocery shopping. Like, on a regular basis. So we would take home groceries. And we had to look at the expiration date because sometimes some of that stuff had been in there so long because it got lost in the back of the cupboard that it was expired. I can't tell you how many times we ate expired food from my mom. And, um, and so my kids had just kind of learned, I need to check the expiration date on this, but their pantry was always so full because he knew, my stepdad knew what it was like to go without and he wanted to be prepared and make sure that if anything like that ever happened again, that was out of his control, that he would have what he needed. 
loss changed him. You know, the pandemic has caused great loss. You know, I don't have to spell it all out for you, but loss of lives, loss of security, loss of peace, loss of faith, loss of relationships. And I have to ask, you know, we, we, need, to, we need to look at this and, and ask ourselves a few questions. Like, has it caused your relationship with Jesus to deepen? Because when you experience suffering and loss, there's a deepening in your faith that happens if you allow it to. There is a intimacy with the Lord that takes place when you experience loss. But it requires a partnering with him. You know, has, has this pandemic enriched your relationship with those you love? Or has it created more distance? You know, I feel like I'm talking to the choir today, right? But I think it's important that we know and we recognize and realize that our relationship with this pandemic should look different than the world's. Our relationship with this pandemic should look different than the world's. Where they have fear, we should have faith. When we have prayer in this house, it should be packed out. There should be standing room only because our world is suffering right now. Our world is suffering and we should be on our knees as a church praying and believing that his name is greater than COVID. His name is higher and we should have more faith, not more fear. We should look so different than the world looks. You know, after we came back from camp, we had kids sick with COVID. And, you know, whether they brought it to camp, got it at camp, or came home from camp with it, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, right? You know why? Because sickness is temporary. Sickness is temporary. The things that happened at camp inside of our kids is eternal. It is eternal. Oh, my God. So worth it. We have to get an eternal mindset versus an earthly one. And if we're not careful, the world's mindset becomes our own. Yeah, I have to ask you, are you allowing the pandemic to steal from you? Are your children, mom and dad, are your children staying close to the Lord in this season? Because you may have built a pretty strong foundation over the years, and, and you might be able to stay away from church and away from other believers. You may be able to hide out in your home. And sometimes we have to do that, I understand. But at the expense of our kids, because their eternity is our responsibility as parents while they're still in our home. Their eternity is our responsibility as parents while they're still in our home. We have to think about these things. We have to think about them. You know, you might have a strong foundation, but do they have that same foundation? Here's the thing, what we lose here on earth is short term. It is short term compared to the long term eternal gain that we are going to have. Right? We've just got to get that eternal mindset.
what we gain is eternal. My neighbor lost his 38-year-old son a few months ago. He um, unexpectedly fell ill, and they thought he had a virus. He ended up in the hospital, and he died like that day, like just unexpected. It was so tragic. You know, we went over, and we, we loved on the family. Um, they were husband and wife, about the same age as my mom. And um, he had, they had daughters that live in Maine and just a sweet family. But um, we were just devastated for them. And then a few months later, my mom passed away. And this same couple came over and, you know, brought me flowers and just encouraged me. And his, his um, the wife said to me, I'm, she was just so kind, you guys, so very kind. And she said, she said to me, you know, when you get the vaccine, then I'm going to give you a hug. And I have to tell you, I never got that hug. I never got that hug because she passed away just like several weeks ago, unexpectedly. They had um, stayed away from their family for a whole year and a half because of COVID. They had avoided their family, you know, to keep safe. And um, they got the vaccine. And so they ended up taking a vacation together at Lake Tahoe, and so they had seen their children that they hadn't seen in a year and a half, spent time with them. They came home. She ended up having a surgery, was recovering at home, and one night decided she's going to get ready for her shower, so she laid out all her clothes on the bed and laid down for a minute, and she never woke up. Do we really understand that our time here is appointed? Do we really understand that God knows exactly how many days each one of us will be here before we enter eternity? Psalms 139.16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body before our bodies were even formed. In our mother's womb, he saw it. And he, all the days ordained for me were written in a book. Your days are written in a book. If you have 72 years, it's already written in a book. If you have seven days, like my niece did, who was born on this earth and went home seven days later, her days were already ordained before her body was even formed. Your days are ordained already in a book. Before one of them came to be. You know, my mom, when um, she moved here two and a half years ago from Giddings, she moved closer um, she kind of got on my nerves because it was constantly, I've got to do a work for the Lord. I don't have much time. And I was just like, you're going to outlive us all, mom. Like, seriously, I don't have time, Carrie. I've got to get this stuff done for the Lord. I mean, constantly. It was like just, she had to do this and this. And like, she would run laps around us, like every single one of us. And she just had this urgency that just, seemed ridiculous to me at the time. And she didn't even know she only had two and a half years left. And I look back on that and I think, dear God, she was right. Our time is short. Our time is so short. You know, we have a lost world out there that needs to hear from Jesus, from us. Our time is short. I've become a lot more eternally minded these days. 
loss changes you, and that's how it's changed me. I think about heaven a lot, and heaven has become a lot more real to me. A lot more real. Loss exposes our weaknesses. It raises questions we otherwise never have had to think about. But the good news is, is God will use it to develop our character if we let him. If we partner with him, he will use it for our gain. He will lose it to impart something to us, not to take more away from us. You know, um, in these seasons of loss, you either get closer to him or further away from him. And loss, a lot of times, feels like a battleground. It's a constant tug of war because it truly is a battleground. You know, when you're, when you're dealing with loss, any kind of loss, it's like you're hopeful on one side and then you're doubtful on the other. You're in rage and then you're in surrender. You doubt as well as you believe. You're apathetic as often as you are hopeful sorrowful and then one day joyful like it's just this constant tug of war between light and darkness when you're dealing with any kind of loss I love what Bill Johnson said he said every loss is supposed to be a place of vengeance but not my vengeance the Lord's when we experience loss have you ever noticed that the tendency is to blame someone or something When my mom passed away, I, I'm so glad that I recognized this right away because when my mom passed away and I, you know, was obviously full of pain and hurt and um, the first thing that popped into my head was this one nurse that I didn't care for. I, I'm just being honest. She popped into my head and I thought, she did something to her. She did not take good care of my mom. I saw her that day. She was not very gentle. Like, just these weird things start popping into your head of blame. Like, you just want somebody to pay, right? You want somebody to pay for what you've lost. But somebody already has. Somebody already has. And so when we're dealing with loss and we're dealing with suffering, we have to think back to the cross. We have to remember that he suffered with us. He suffered for us. He understands suffering more than we ever will. And he owes us nothing. He owes us nothing. But he still chooses to battle for us, right? You know, it's loss is a battle, but it's not our battle. It's the Lord's. It's the Lord's battle. You know, I am um, on the beach that day when I was at camp, I was talking to the Lord because I, like I said, I was angry. And just so you know, I did, I did, I did deal with it. I, I have a pretty healthy fear of the Lord, so I don't like to stay angry at him too long. I just, you know, I, <laughs> I was thinking about that and I thought, okay, it's been two days. I don't want to go too much longer. And, uh. I'm, I'm serious. I was like, you need to deal with this. So, you know, I love the beach. And so it was a beautiful setting. It made it a little bit easier. And uh, I was out there talking to the Lord. And 
I, um, I started to just really realize that he can handle my disappointment. He can handle my anger because he is a big God. He is a big, big God. And so I told him exactly how I felt, but I also repented. I did. I, I, you know, because truth be told, I was angry because I wasn't trusting him like I needed to. I was thinking his timing was off, that he should have waited, you know, because it's not good timing for me. You know, he should have, like I said, one more Christmas would have been really awesome. And so I repented for not trusting him or thinking that I thought my way was better or that I knew better. And I surrendered it all to him, all the disappointment, all the hurt, all the anger. And he definitely showed up. Like immediately he showed up. I love how he doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't do what we do where we keep him holding and waiting. You know, he shows up immediately. When we go to meet him, he doesn't go, maybe tomorrow. He doesn't do that to us. He's such a good God. He's such a good father. I love him so much. I love him so, so much. You know, we can look back on years. Sometimes we have years that are wasted, but like that verse said, he repays it. He repays years, not just moments not just a situation. He repays years that are lost. Have you ever looked back and thought, how many years did I waste on poor choices that I made? What's so amazing is when God restores, it doesn't take the same length of time. It doesn't take the same length of time because he multiplies. He multiplies. If it was four years that you wasted, it's not going to take four years. He doesn't make us pay penance. He's a God that restores like that in a moment. He made the world in six days, the whole world in six days. He repays and he restores. I know that... Um, the enemy wanted to discourage me from praying for those who got COVID after my mom passed. Because I said before that when I had COVID over a year ago, God had told me, you're going to pray for people and God's going to heal them. And then my mom died, right? Isn't that just like the enemy to just mess with you over stuff like that? It's just like the enemy to mess with you over stuff like that. I was tired of battling after Heidi. I remember saying, I'm just tired of the battle tired of the battle, but the battle's not mine. The battle is not mine. The battle is not yours. The battle is the Lord's. And I just decided that I refuse to allow my mom's story to create fear or disbelief in me. And guess what? I'm believing for seven times greater anointing against the disease of COVID. Seven times greater anointing. I was here last Wednesday praying. And we were battling against COVID. Like battling against COVID together. The ones that were here praying. And as a church, we should all be doing that. That is our responsibility. 
When the world's falling apart, the church should be raising up. We should be raising up. We should be praying. We should be on our knees. We should be here when the doors are open. When there's stuff going on in the world and there is stuff going on in the world, my, my son and daughter-in-law have been in lockdown for over six weeks in Australia. They can't leave their home for more than an hour. They can't step outside for more than an hour. Stuff is going on. And it doesn't look like it's going away tomorrow. So guess what, church? It is our responsibility to get up, be prayed up, armor up, and fight this thing in faith, not fear, in faith. And so I was here praying against COVID this last Wednesday. And um, I was like, God, you know. You, you gave me this mandate, and I'm praying for everybody I know that has COVID. And just to let you know, you tell me somebody has COVID, I'm, I'm covering them. Yeah. I am so covering them because I know God has given me an anointing against COVID. And when I was here praying, he dropped into my spirit, COVID hotline. And I was like, what? And he was like, you're a COVID hotline. And I was like, yes. That's what the church is supposed to be in this hour, a COVID hotline. We have to rise up, church. We have to build up our hope, our faith in God because we are greater with him and we can do all things with him. He is not just a God of salvation. He's not just a God of salvation. He's a God of restoration. He repays lost time. He restores hope. And no matter how many wasted years you've lost, it doesn't take God the same amount of time to restore. I love that. Oh, I so love that. He repays so richly as if nothing has been lost. So I, I can let yesterday's disappointment steal today's hope, but I'm the one that loses out. I'm the one that loses in the long run. Because like I said, this, this life we live is temporary. This temporary is just a vapor. It's just a vapor. What we have to look forward to is all eternity. It's not so much what happens to us as what happens in us in these seasons. We need to partner with the Lord. Allow him to add to us. Allow him to add to that which was lost. I want to pray for you as we close out today. Just, I just want to pray at an eternal mindset over all of us. I think it's so easy, you know, with all that's going on in the world, and we have information just at our fingertips. And we can fill our heads with so much of that information, so much of that stuff that we let fear in. We don't even realize we're doing it. It just happens naturally because of, like I said, all the information right there at our fingertips. It just comes in. You know, if you're filling yourself with more of what's going on in the world than what's in his word, you're going to be fear-filled. You're not going to be faith-filled. And so I encourage you this morning to let his word just rise up inside of you. Let his hope increase inside of you. I want to pray for you. So if you'll bow your heads this morning.
if you've been struggling with hope, struggling with fear, allowing fear to just consume you, I want to pray over you. I want to pray an eternal mindset over us this morning. So if you'll raise your hand as, as a faith activation and say, God, I need, I need to be more filled with your hope this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just pray over everyone here this morning, Lord, every hand that is raised as a step of faith this morning, God, I just ask you to just fill them with things of eternity, Father. Give them an eternal mindset. Father, renew their minds right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we just take authority over fear and we just say, you have no place, get out. Get out in yes. Jesus' name. Yes, Father, your name is above every name. Yes, God. And Father, any name that is causing fear in this place is not welcome. So whatever it is, you just call it out right now in Jesus' name. Whatever the fear is, whatever the loss is, whatever it is that is discouraging you, whatever the disappointment is, just call it out. Bring it into the light. Because when you bring it into the light, it has no hold. It has no power. So, Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we just speak faith. We speak faith over fear, God. And we just lay it at the cross, Father. We lay it at the cross because the things of this world are temporary. They are temporary. And so, God, we give you every disappointment, every loss, and we say, take it, Lord. God, we ask you to forgive us for not trusting you like we should. We ask you to forgive us, God. We humble ourselves before you this morning, and we say, Lord, we want to trust you more. Forgive us, God, for placing our trust in other things, maybe our abilities, our jobs, whatever it might be. And God, we give it to you right now in Jesus' name. Renew our minds, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen.